Our text for this morning is just one verse from the book, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verse 39. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you were here last week, my wife preached on the story of a man at the pool of Bethesda. And he had gone there because he needed healing. He was desperate for healing. He had reached that point where the doctors say, now all we can do is wait. And that wasn't enough for him. That wasn't a sufficient response. So he went to the pool looking for healing. And at the pool, Jesus found him. He didn't necessarily go looking for Jesus, but Jesus went to the pool looking for him, and Jesus found that man and told him, Get up and take your mat and walk. And while my wife was preaching, my dad was lying in Huntsville Hospital. Saturday, he had suffered a heart attack on our back porch. And we'd later find out that a 90% blockage in his left anterior descending artery put him into ventricular fibrillation. We were comforted when they told us this heart attack is called the Widowmaker. And his heart was fluttering, not beating, he wasn't breathing, he wasn't conscious. But in the moment, we didn't know any of that, we just knew we needed healing. So my mom and I did CPR until the paramedics arrived and their activity level, their seriousness and focus let us know that this was as serious as it could be. And they got him oxygen and worked to shock his heart back into a normal rhythm and they wheeled him to the ambulance and took off for Huntsville Hospital like a rocket. And when we got there, my dad had been admitted as Charlie Doe. His wallet was in my mom's purse. And they had him stabilized and sedated, and he was alive. But our world was consumed with questions. Again and again we told the doctors the story, different doctors trying to understand what might have happened. He doesn't smoke, he rarely drinks, he exercises, he eats well, normal levels of stress, no history of heart disease. Huh, they'd say. Huh. And together we would stare at him, stabilized and sedated. And again and again and again the doctors and the nurses and the residents told us to prepare for the worst, to be ready for the worst. Even once they found the blockage in his heart and successfully placed the stent, even then prepare for the worst because we forget just how fragile our hold on life is. Just this breathing, in and out, just this breathing, and the beating of the heart is all that stands between life and not life. Thirty years isn't guaranteed, ten years isn't guaranteed, tomorrow isn't guaranteed, this afternoon is not guaranteed. Life is so much more fragile than we realize. 
just this breathing and the beating of your heart. And my dad's heart had stopped for 30 minutes. And when I think about it, the weight of our mortality becomes crushing. And as he lay there in Huntsville Hospital, one of the top 50 hospitals in the United States and one of the top 10 cardiac surgery units, the doctors were telling us, I'm sorry. Now all we can do is wait. On Saturday night, they began cooling his body to 88 degrees, cooling him off to give the swelling in his brain time to come down, time for his body to recuperate. So for 24 hours, he was on ice and then for 24 hours they let his temperature come back up and for the 48 hours he lay there the doctors told us now all we can do is wait so we stood there my sisters flew in that first night and my dad's sister and my mom's brother and sister-in-law and we sat in the room as the machines beeped and dad slept and the doctors had said All we can do now is wait. Have you held that vigil? Waiting is not a sufficient response. So we brought my dad to the pool, to the waters. Everyone does it. When we reach the limit of what we know, when we reach the limit of our power, the limit of the power of medicine, the limit of what we can understand, people go to the water. They plead with the universe, with whoever is out there. They plead with the gods. We bargain and we barter and we beg and we plead at the water. Everyone goes to the pool because sometimes it works. Sometimes someone goes to the pool and they find a miracle. Sometimes someone goes and they leave with healing. So last week, as my wife was preaching on the man who goes to the pool of Bethesda, she struggled to hold it together because we were living it. We were standing at the water, standing and hoping, but unlike the man in that story, we weren't looking for a miracle from the water. We were looking for the one who waits beside the pool hoping he would be waiting there with a miracle for us. As many of you have, we held a vigil beside my dad's bed, praying and begging for prayer, hoping that Jesus the Christ would be waiting beside the water with a miracle for us. And for 48 hours, we waited. And as we stopped, as we slowed down, we began to see a thing. We began to see that God had already been in this. My parents just happened to be visiting Scottsboro. Normally on a Saturday afternoon my dad might have been out on his bike or working in the yard. And the two to five minute window you have for CPR would have been gone. How long would he have laid before someone found him? And instead the heart attack was on our back porch. And God was with us. And it was the dog that barked first, the dog who barks at everything, who barks at the wind. But Sophia, our daughter, heard something in it and she said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And God was with us. So my mom was there in ten seconds. And I heard her and was there a moment later and immediately she started CPR and she realized that my dad is a big guy. 
She wasn't getting the strength she needed, so she looked at me and said, we need to switch, I'm not strong enough. And because they were here, because they just happened to be visiting, I was there with her. And because last year Ron Bray felt like offering a CPR class, and because we felt pulled to go, I put my hand and I started pressing and hearing the song he had played for us in my head. Dun, 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 staying alive, staying alive. Is that a coincidence? They happened to be visiting here that Ron happened to offer that class that we happened to feel pulled to take it. As soon as I saw my dad, I called 911 and I struggled to explain this part because I don't understand what happened. I called 911 and I said, he's unconscious, he's non-responsive, something has happened, here is the address, you need to come. And they couldn't understand me because I'm from the north. And I kept telling them, 3218 Scenic Drive, and they're asking me to spell it, and I'm freaking out. I'm trying to talk to them, and what I should have been doing was CPR. And I didn't realize until later, I never finished that call. I don't know what happened, just it was pushed out of my mind. And I turned around, and the next thing I remember, I was on the ground with my mom. But my wife was there. As always, calm and collected, with a southern accent, gave them the address and waited out front. My phone didn't die. I checked. I didn't make a decision to put it down. It was just pushed from my mind that there is something you need to be doing. And God was with us. And my wife took our daughter outside, our daughter who has seen too much trauma in her life, who couldn't be there, who had leapt up and said something is wrong, and they walked out and Sarah Laney just happened to be standing outside across the street, and my wife yelled, Sarah, I need you to take her. And she did, and God was with us. And 30 seconds after the paramedics arrived, Corey Webb happened to text me, what are y'all doing this afternoon? And I told him what had happened, and they offered us everything. Prayers, visits, can we take Sophia? And so they took Sophia until Micah's parents arrived from Birmingham, and God was with us. And it felt like forever before the ambulance arrived, but they got there fast, and they knew what to do, and they did their job. So they ignored me, as I said again and again, was it a stroke? Was it a stroke? They did their job. And they took off like a rocket for Huntsville Hospital, an incredible cardiac unit, and God was with us. And the paramedics, and in the surgeons, and the tireless nurses, and the medical marvels, God was with us. And finding the blockage, and guarding his brain, God was with us. God had been in it all, giving my dad the best chance he could have, and under sedation body on ice, now all we can do is wait. It's not until you contemplate losing a thing that you realize how desperately you want it. And we spend so much of our lives pretending these things don't happen, pretending we have forever, that it will never be me and mine, but our moments of fragility, they bring perspective. And I didn't realize how much I loved basketball until I tore my ACL. 
And I didn't realize how much I love Micah until fibromyalgia tried to steal her. And I did not realize how much I loved my parents until my dad was lying there. The crushing weight of mortality, of our fragility, it's heavy. It's heavy so we avoid it. We avoid thinking about it. But the heaviness is the truth of it. It is heavy. It's heavy because it matters, because it's beautiful. And together my family leaned together and we prayed. We prayed for my dad who is always strong for everyone else. Who always has a kind word, who always carries everyone else. And the doctor said, now all we can do is wait. But that wasn't a sufficient response. So we carried him to the water. I didn't look at the numbers until Monday morning when they were going to bring him off sedation. Even with CPR immediately administered on the scene, the survival rate for cardiac arrest is 45%. Without CPR, it's 6%. If I can take a moment of pastoral privilege, as the church, we guard life. Be trained in CPR. One in 17 is an unacceptable number. One in 17 was not a sufficient response. So we brought my dad to the water, hoping that the great healer would have a miracle for us, waiting beside the pool for a miracle of healing. And for those who wonder why church, I can tell you, Because last week, my family, who is from Chicago, they're Yankees from off. They had enough food in their fridge to start a convenience store. Good southern comfort food, egg salad, sandwiches, scones, barbecue, fruit, fresh bread, food on top of food, and prayers on top of prayers. And God was with us, and we could feel it. And we could taste it. So when the moment came, the moment of truth, when they began to pull back the sedation and let my dad wake up, there was only one thing I could do. And I spoke to one who has more power than I do. And I blessed him with my tears. And I said, Rudolph Edward Tank, you are a child of the God of the living and the God of the dead. He is here and He brings healing in His wings in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Wake up. They told us it would likely take a day or two if He woke up. In 20 minutes. 20 minutes he looked at my mom and said, Joan, where am I? And God was with us. And God was with us. Through our church and through the Spirit, we found healing at the water, and God was with us. But spending half a week in the cardiac care unit makes us very aware that not everyone gets to celebrate like this. We remember the families we were waiting alongside and we remember those who tragically spent their days in the CCU alone with no family or friends holding vigil over them. 
I remember those who did not leave with a miracle. And we remember that in this story, everyone waiting at the water for healing, out of everyone waiting for water at the healing, Jesus chooses one to say, stand and walk. And for those who receive that miracle, it leaves us wondering, why us? Why were we the lucky ones? Why us? And in this story, in this other story, Jesus has just healed a man possessed by a demon, a man who has lost all his friends, been driven from town. He's living in a graveyard, and you don't realize how much things are worth until you contemplate losing them. And this man possessed by a demon, he's lost everything. He knows And Jesus gives him everything back. And so the man says, let me come with you, let me follow you. But Jesus says, no. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. It's the reason for the miracles. They are signs of the thing that is coming. They are a witness to the healing that will one day be complete. And so my family gets to live as living reminders that God is working, that God is here, that with God is life, even literal life. That God works through the church, through accidental CPR classes, through CPR, through paramedics, through visits, through accidents that aren't accidents. And that sometimes, sometimes God bursts into the hospital rooms and stirs up the somber silence of the CCU with healing in His wings. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So I'm here because God has sustained us. And God has guided us, and God provided, and God brought healing. God did it all. God has done it all. And I can't guarantee to anyone that God will bring them a miracle, but I know He can because I've seen it. And you, too. You, as well, return home and share again and again what God has done for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.